All right. Hi, this is Dr. John, and today I'm here with Dr. Lauren Hetty, who I have the great pleasure of talking to today. Um, the funny story is actually uh, Lauren and I, or Dr. Hetty and I, um, she was my um, essentially preceptor in medical school. Senior resident. Yeah, she was a senior <laughs> resident, and we were at Memorial Hospital, or what used to be Memorial Hospital, um, for those Rhode Islanders out there. And uh, she actually started a really unique practice called Direct Doctors, which focuses on direct primary care. So today we're going to really explore uh, her journey into how she got started and the reason why she chose a different path to really provide a higher level of patient experience. So, Lauren, thank you so much for coming in. Sure, thanks for having me. Yes, yeah, so Lauren, tell me about this whole story because most, um, you know, physicians, when they graduate medical school, they do their residency, they join a practice now, they go to a hospital or, mm -hmm. or whatnot, and you decided to take a whole different route. Yes, I did. Um, this all started when I was actually in residency, and I started to see a lot of the problems with the current medical system, especially as a primary care doctor where you're asked to see 20, 25 patients a day, and you're sort of just rushing through the day, hurrying up, trying to get the patients out of the room, doing a lot of prescribing medications and sending people for referrals instead of actually what I think is the best level of care for the patient, mm -hmm. taking your time with them, et cetera. So I got the idea to try something different. Um, and this concept of direct primary care was something that was fairly new at the time. Um, and so I actually went to a conference and learned all about it. And I said, if these doctors all over the country are doing this and they're doing it successfully, then why not me and why not Rhode Island? So that's kind of the birth of direct doctors. And, and what is direct primary care? So direct primary care is a primary care office where we really focus on the basics of wellness visits, acute care visits, et cetera, just like you would at your regular pediatrician or since we're family doctors, we do pediatrics all the way up through geriatrics. Mm. Um, but in direct primary care, instead of billing through insurance, what we do is we charge patients a monthly subscription fee. So basically they are members in our practice and what that allows us to do is we can then eliminate a lot of the costs that are associated with billing insurance. So actually, in order to bill insurance in a typical manner, it, it's a really expensive thing. You have to pay somebody who's going to look over all your notes and who's going to make sure you code right and who's going to make sure that things are being billed right in order to get a certain amount of money back that isn't even the amount of money you're actually charging for the visit. It's a huge administrative burden. It's a huge administrative burden. So if you can cut that piece out, and literally just have your patient pay you directly like the old days of mm. doctors doing house calls and knowing their patients really well, then you can decrease the number of patients you have as a primary care provider and you can focus a lot more of your attention on each individual patient. So that's basically the concept of how that works. Got it. So fewer patients paying you directly, mm -hmm. you cut the administrative burden, so it allows you to really focus on patient care. And you don't have exactly. to worry about things getting denied or something like that. As long as the patient pays you on a monthly basis, they can come see you as many times as they exactly. need for whatever they need. Yep, no co-pays. Uh, we don't charge for really anything extra. Whatever we can include, we do. And so, mm -hmm. for example, as family doctors, um, we do home visits for our patients when they oh, need wow. it. Uh, we're able to do a variety of things like joint injections and skin procedures and IUD placements. And, you know, there's a whole list of things on our website you can see. But really, we try to be broad-spectrum family doctors who can offer almost everything that's needed for most patients. Because really, most patients need strong, quality primary care. And I think that's a huge thing. Because I remember when my son was born and you came over <laughs> to the house. It was like two feet of snow on the ground. Yeah. And you came and that was just uh, an extreme experience because in a really good way because otherwise we would have had to you know my wife 
day after birth, getting in the car in mm -hmm. the snow, driving, you know, 15 miles to the pediatrician yep. and back. And that can be a really stressful experience. So you yep. really brought the experience to the home right. and it was, it was affordable too, yep. um, which is great. So in terms of, um, if somebody really wants to have a direct doctor, mm -hmm. um, what is it going to cost them? So um, myself and Dr. Tarshan are the two at the practice now. And our billing structure might be different than the billing structure at a different practice across the country, but we're right now the only ones doing this in Rhode Island. So mm -hmm. for us, what we currently charge is based on age, and it ranges from 50 to $100 per month for adults and then $25 per month for kids. Got it. So that's pretty reasonable. So for how, most patients, yeah. it's affordable. You know, there always will be the argument that there's some people that can't afford it, but we do work with especially existing patients to try to arrange something that's affordable for them if you know, our fees are a little too much mm. for them. So we end up with a wide range of patients um, in terms of socioeconomic demographics, in terms of types of insurance they have, everything from Medicaid, neighborhood, Blue Cross, to uninsured, to Medicare. Um, and sort of that diversity of patients is what kind of makes it fun and interesting for us too. And the average primary care, I, I remember when we were looking into this, has an average of what, 1,000, 2,000 patients or more that they're mm -hmm. managing? Yeah, uh, at least 2,000 is 2000. about what the AFP, the Family Practice Association says, an average family doctor is carrying. So think about that many patients. There's no way that right. that doctor knows the, every single patient in their practice. But you know, I could do a trivia and you could look up a patient's name of mine and I can tell you all about that person because we literally spend as much time as it takes with patients, you mm. know, especially in the beginning when people have a lot of things going on or they just want to establish that relationship where somebody really gets to know them in case something comes up later on. Um, we really have the time to do that with patients. So what's the average um, patient panel for a direct primary care physician? It ends up usually somewhere around four or 500 patients. Well, so for, a quarter of yeah, that. Yeah, full time, yeah. So you can mm -hmm. literally spend four times more time mm -hmm. with somebody. Yeah, so as a comparison, if um, a regular primary care doc in a regular office working for a hospital or something like that mm. sees about 20 to 25 patients a day, we're probably seeing somewhere around five to eight patients a day. So let's talk about the insurance side of things. You know, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, for example, here at the company, we have a high deductible plan, right? And mm -hmm. where you don't the insurance company doesn't pay anything until you get up to a certain amount. It's usually right. in the thousands. Yes. So, which means that the average primary care visit, somewhere between $100 and $200 anyways. Mm -hmm. So if you went to the doctors two, three times a year, you're mm -hmm. paying for that anyways, versus in your case, you could do a direct primary care model and then prepay it or just pay it on a monthly basis yep. and pay roughly the same. Absolutely, yeah. So it works really well with high deductible plans. Mm. Um, so for example, if you were to be my patient and you're going to pay $50 a month, so you pay $600 for the year, and you're a deductible, I mean, uh, some patients it's 2000 That's a good deductible in my perspective now because a lot exactly, of deductibles yeah. are $10,000, $12,000. So unless you have a catastrophic event this year, you know, like cancer or heart attack or something like that where you really go over that deductible, mm. you have no chance of meeting it. So what we're able to do instead is provide literally probably 90, 95, 99% of your care, you know, if, if you don't have a whole lot going on, um, but give you in exchange this high level of access that you're not even gonna believe because you can't get it in a normal practice. So like for example, when you arrive to the office, you ring a bell, Dr. Tertian or I come out and get you. You literally don't wait. Um, if you have something come up, let's say, you know, your baby's a patient and, and he has a fever in the middle of the night and you're not sure what to do you can call us and you're gonna get your doctor directly answering mm. the phone. Um, 
if you need a refill on something and the pharmacy is giving you a hard time or you can't get a hold of whoever you need to get a hold of, literally our patients will just text us and say, hey, this is what's going on. Can you help me out? You know, usually within minutes, but, you know, we say within hours, but it's usually minutes. We'll get back to you and we'll handle the situation for you. Got it. So it's literally somebody that knows your case, your doctor responding to you. Yeah. Because there's two of you. Right. So we take our own patients and we try to take care of our own patients as a unit. But then if I'm on vacation or Dr. Tertian's on vacation, we'll cover for each other. So there's always someone who's available to help. Got it. And then also in terms of, um, you know, all the other services that you'd need, the labs, the imaging, mm -hmm. um, you know, if you needed surgeries or whatnot, yeah. um, that's when the traditional insurance would come in. Yes. So definitely for things like surgery, specialty visits, um, emergencies, that would all be under your typical insurance. We do, however, help handle things like labs, um, medications, mm -hmm. because we, we have arrangements with certain um, lab vendors, certain imaging places, and we also have access to wholesale medications for our patients. So for someone with a high deductible plan, let's say you're on a medication that you have to pay out of pocket for, you know, 40 or $50 every month. That's probably something in most cases we can get for you for $5. Oh, wow. Um, so we don't stock a pharmacy, but we do offer that option to our patients if it's something that can help save them money. So for example, if that were your situation and you're paying us $50 a month to be our patients, right there you basically can pay for your membership if you have one medication you're paying for out of pocket every month. Got it. So really you get discounts on the medications as well as a lot of the ancillary services, but for the big stuff you really need um, insurance, which actually brings me to the next point, which is the concept of referrals, right? A lot of yep. insurance companies now um, require you to have referrals, especially the less expensive plans. They have a very narrow network. You have to get a primary care, the patient's at a medical home, all of that, um, which is really like a, a sub HMO or health mm -hmm. maintenance organization. In those cases, um, does direct primary care work with that or really do you have to pick a plan that has no referrals? So it's been our experience that in Rhode Island, there aren't a lot of patients who have HMO type plans. Mm. So for the most part, as long as a patient has a PPO, we haven't run into any issues with sending out referrals. Um, we've had a couple of issues recently with some Medicare plans where they require an in-network primary care doctor and that in-network doctor, which we can never be, we're always considered out of network, um, has to do the referral for the patient. So for the most part, if patients have a choice, we recommend that they get a plan where they don't require an in-network referral. However, we have some patients who have been with us, don't wanna leave us, and are either gonna look to change plans or we will help some patients to set up an arrangement with the primary care doctor who's listed on their card to see mm -hmm. them once a year and hopefully get the referrals that they need through communicating with that doctor. So Got that's it. sort of a workaround that's not ideal, but you know we are happy to try to help and make that happen if a patient wants to do it that way. Because I know, uh, and how, how open are other primary cares um, to being that referral source? Uh, it's not ideal for them. I mean, I don't think that they're necessarily looking to do that, but mm. on a case-by-case -case basis, um, you know, we're usually able to get some help with that. But I don't think that's the, again, it's not the ideal setup. And let's talk about keeping people out of the hospital, mm -hmm. um, improving the quality of life. I mean, what's your take on patients that want to integrate holistic medicine, um, you know, yoga therapy, massage therapy, acupuncture, mm -hmm. and so forth, as well as um, what has your experience been with people that are you know, chronically ill? They oftentimes may be the type that goes, you know, they're in and out of the hospital. Yep. Um, how does a direct primary care model really help those patients? So for patients who are in and out of the hospital who have a lot of chronic issues going on, what we can do is be the front line of communication. 
So for example, I have a patient um, who is homebound, very difficult for her to get out of the office to go see a doctor. And we, like I said, we do home visits. Um, and for that patient, she would constantly get um, exacerbations of mm-hmm. her heart failure. So basically where fluid would build up, she'd have to go to the emergency room because it was hard to get to the, her primary care doctor. So she needed an ambulance. She was in and out all the time. I came in as her doctor and now we can communicate the very day that she starts to notice the swelling. We can adjust her medications that minute. And so not only have we decreased her exacerbations to basically zero because we get on top of it immediately, um, but if it gets worse, I can go see her in person and I can decide to do something stronger. So I've actually been able to keep her out of the hospital She's only gone one time in three years since I started seeing her. So there are a lot of cases like that where we can make a big difference. There are certain things where, you know, you have to go to the hospital, and and we understand that, and we help by communicating with the emergency room doctors, et cetera. But um, we sort of do our best to be kind of the first point of contact to really prevent that kind of stuff from happening. And then your Mm -hmm. question about the holistic services. So um, I would say that Dr. Trish and I are both very open-minded about that, and... um, encourage our patients to look for things other than just a pharmaceutical to help with issues that are going on. We're big proponents of lifestyle interventions, and part of that is we have time to sit there if we need to for an hour and go through what the diet of that patient is or what kind of exercise they're into and really give advice rather than, you know, here, go see a nutritionist. Mm. And now I actually wanted to switch gears and talk about the um, the business side of things because I know that a lot of physicians want to take a look at uh, doing something like this themselves. Do you mm-hmm. encourage, and I know that you don't want to invite any more competition, or in this case, it might be good because it's part of a movement, yep. right? Um, how, do, how do other physicians get into this? What is it like starting out, and and what was it like growing your practice? Because right now you have, yeah. I remember when we first met, you were getting started, yeah. and now you have a wait list. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been doing it um, a little over three years, and I'm at the point where I'm full and I have a wait list, and my partner, I think, will probably be full towards the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um we started out of residency, both of us. So we started with zero patients from scratch, no panel that followed us. Um, and that's more difficult than an existing doctor who's looking to transition. So I think most of the docs out there that might be thinking about it have a panel of 2,000 patients, uh, maybe have their own practice or are working for an organization and are just getting sick of the sort of rigmarole and the paperwork and being told what to do and feeling just bogged down by all of that. Um, and are thinking from there they could switch over to something that gives them a better lifestyle because a happier physician, I think, is going to do a better job for their patients. Right. Um, so this is a great option for that. Um, and we're happy to talk with doctors out there that are thinking about doing this. But basically, if you're going to transition over, um, the biggest thing you have to accept is that you're not going to be able to keep all your patients with you and not all of your patients are going to understand the model or choose to go with you. Uh, but basically it's going to cut down your panel to a manageable size where you can then operate as a direct primary care practice and focus on your patients a lot more and a lot less on the paperwork and the numbers and all that sort of thing. And is it going to be one of those things where you have to cut the cord and, and decide one or the other, or can people sort of do both? That's a good question, and that's still under debate. So from my perspective, our practice, we have opted out of Medicare which means that we can see Medicare patients, we can charge them a monthly fee, but we don't bill through Medicare at all. Mm. There's a number of practices who have decided to stick with Medicare, but to um, not take any other insurances. And theoretically that works okay, uh, because then you can um, work with Medicare and bill Medicare only. And then for all your other patients with Blue Cross or United, et cetera, um, they can just be straight direct primary care. 
when you're trying to sort of hybrid with all different insurances, it gets difficult because then you have to start to choose, am I going to treat this patient differently than I'm going to treat the other patient because this one's being paid through insurance and this one's not. And I think that that tends to be really uh, blurry lines. Mm. So I recommend cutting the cord. I think in the long run, it's definitely worth it. It's choosing one or the other. Yeah. Um, and then also in terms of growing your practice, uh, marketing is something that they don't teach us in medical school. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> what did you do to you know learn about, you, know, you had to set up your own website, you had to go out yeah. and make your own brochures, you got to hit the pavement, and it's not every day that you see a physician go out there and market their services. So mm -hmm. walk me through that experience. So again, for us starting out of residency, that was a huge part of what we had to do. Um, I had to go and, and network for myself, really go out to networking events, introduce the concept because the concept is still so new, you know, especially three years ago that nobody even really understood it. But I was mm -hmm. sort of able to go around, talk to people. There was a lot of um, news coverage. I was on the cover of the Providence Journal at one point, I don't know if you remember yeah. that. Um, because this concept is so new and to a lot of people it's really exciting because obviously there are a lot of problems with our current healthcare system and health insurance, and uh, people are excited that there might be a different way to do things. Um, at this point, it's really a lot of word of mouth referrals and a lot of people just Googling, you know, I want a doctor who I can talk to when I need them and finding us. Um, again, if you're an existing doctor with a big panel already, you probably don't have to do any of that, to be honest with you. You're gonna get plenty of patients from your existing panel following you and mm. you can forget about the marketing. But if you're a resident and you want to go that route, um, it's definitely some work Got to it. begin with. But so you I think have, it's really have to pound the pavement yourself. So what's what's your vision for um, direct doctors moving forward? So I think ultimately we'll probably grow our our practice location in North Kingstown to four doctors. Mm -hmm. um, the demand definitely is there at this point, and you know beyond that, it's hard to know. I would I would love to help other doctors in the state. Um, transition to this kind of model and really make it a bigger force. For whatever reason, we're the only ones in Rhode Island. If you go across the line to Massachusetts, there's about 15 practices already. Oh, wow. Um, Connecticut has multiple practices. If you look across the country, the growth is just astronomical from where it was three years ago. Um, I think our state is just slow to catch on, and we also have a smaller population. So, mm. you know, our patients come from literally everywhere in the state, plus some people from Massachusetts and some people from Connecticut. Um, but it would, it would be exciting to me to think that this could be a real player, um, you know, competitor in the healthcare system that people have a true choice, not just, am I going to choose Blue Cross or United, but am I going to choose to go with a practice like direct doctors, or am I going to choose to go with this, you know, traditional type of healthcare mm. plus a uh, doctor's office where I may not see my doctor most times I go there. Got it. Um, and then also in terms of the, uh in terms of the whole healthcare arena, um, in your ideal world, where would you where would you see the primary care relationship fitting into the whole you know insurance, employers, mm -hmm. and and whatnot? And, and what are your thoughts on what's happening now in the marketplace, where a lot of employers are now setting up their own essentially insurance companies mm -hmm. to uh, go out there and help their existing employees with mm -hmm. um, a better experience, you know, with Iora Health and, yep. and a lot of these other uh, clinics that are popping up. Yeah, so I obviously think that, maybe I'm biased, but I think a lot of people would agree with me, primary care needs to be the center of any healthcare revolution. Um, your your first point of contact is, is or should always be your primary care doctor. There's rare circumstances where an emergency comes up, you have to call 911. But other than that, really people should be sort of funneling through their primary care doctor. Um, so that has to be in the center. I understand that insurance can't go away entirely, 
But the concept of insurance is meant to cover things that are catastrophes. So if you think about, for example, your car insurance, you don't have car insurance to cover every little claim. In other words, your wipers need to be replaced. You need a new headlight. Mm -hmm. um, you need to get your car washed. Those types of things, if you were actually paying for insurance to cover that, your car insurance would be unaffordable. And that's what's happened with healthcare, where we now believe that our health insurance is supposed to cover every little thing, including every preventative service, every little visit to the doctor, every strep test we get. And what that has done is made it unaffordable for most patients, and especially for most employers, who are probably the, the biggest, you would know this, but I'm assuming the biggest buyers of insurance. Yeah. So what we want to see happen is we want to see affordable, catastrophic insurance plans for most patients who really just need that as a, if something huge comes up, I'm going to be covered for that. If I get a new cancer diagnosis or a heart attack, I'm covered. But what I need day to day is an extremely affordable type of plan, like going to a direct doctor's practice. And I have an arrangement with my doctor where I get good primary care. Um, so really carving out the pieces so that it makes sense versus you know paying a premium on essentially buying insurance for something that you are going to use and paying a premium for it. Exactly. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So that's why things, I think, have gotten cloudy. And now employers, in particular, because they usually are shouldering such a burden in terms of paying for a large percentage of this, are seeing their premiums go up and up and up. And what's the solution? There's no end in sight. So what they're now having to do, if they're especially if they're big enough, is they're e taking on more of that burden in the sense of self-insuring. Mm -hmm. So when they're doing something like that, a direct primary care model actually pairs really well with that. Um, and the reason is that we don't send any claims to an insurance company. So for example, when you have typical insurance, you have Blue Cross or something, you go see your doctor, um, that doctor bills $300 for that visit, Blue Cross gets the bill, they pay the doctor 150 But that's now gonna show up on the list of claims that your employer has had to pay throughout the year. If you're a direct primary care patient, then that claim is never going to insurance. So if you think just at that point, all of the money that's saved because that direct primary care doctor is not sending in those claims. And instead of the employer paying for all of that, all the employer is paying for is a fixed predictable amount for the direct primary care membership for their patients. Not to mention, you don't have to miss work to go see your doctor. Mm -hmm. We do you know, visits at people's place of work or home, et cetera. So there's a lot of sort of cost savings built into that. And then the theory is that better access to primary care means less hospitalizations, less ER visits, less urgent care visits. And if we're able to prevent things like that, then we should also be able to decrease costs on that end. So if you're an employer who's considering some kind of drastic change because you see no end in sight, pairing with a direct primary care practice, I think is genius. Yeah, I hope that more employers adopt this. So yeah. um, where can people find more about what you do, uh, your services, and how to get in touch with you? Sure, so um, our website has a lot of information. It's directdoctors.org, O-R-G. And we'll put a link below as well. And um, that's probably the best place to start if you're internet savvy. I'm assuming if you're seeing this video, you may be. Um, you're also welcome to give us a call. We're happy to sort of walk people through um, how the practice works, but also we often do work with patients who are trying to figure out what insurance pairs best with our practice. Mm -hmm. um, and our number is 401-400-2699. Now I will say when we have patients who are interested, who have Medicare and are not sure what to do, I basically always tell them to talk to you. Oh, thank you so much for the plug. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. 
And um, we'll hope to have you on later as well to and at a future date to talk more about the services and sure. as you evolve this practice. So really excited to see you grow. Great. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Sure.